This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis, a program dedicated to the conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Rebecca Daly, and Jamie Baller-Raup. In today's conversation, we're diving into a subject that impacts everyone stress. April is Stress Awareness Month, and our friends at Baptist Memorial Healthcare Corporation have connected us to an important resource for our community, which is Concern Employee Assistance Program, or Concern EAP. Joining us in conversation today is the Director of Concern EAP, Melissa Wilkes Donahue. Melissa is an expert when it comes to stress, not because she is stressed, but because she has dedicated her career to helping people work through their stress. In addition to serving as the director of Concern EAP, Melissa is a licensed clinical social worker and is an experienced crisis intervention team trainer. In today's conversation, we'll be exploring what stress is and how it can disguise itself. And most importantly, we'll be sharing tips for preventing stress as well as accessible resources that are available for individuals and organizations, thanks to the work of Concern EAP and Baptist Memorial Healthcare. So let's welcome Melissa Wilkes Donahue. Hello, good morning. Good morning. How's it going, Melissa? Good. Thank you, ladies, so much for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here, even if it's to talk about a topic that's not inherently positive. Uh, But we're excited to dig into the positive things that we can do to address it. So Mm -hmm. uh, we want to dig into stress. Mm -hmm. What is it? How does it affect us? Uh, Is it something that only affects our minds? Can you give us just in the most basic sense, what is stress? And are you feeling stressed right now? about what, this what is what is stress <laughs> what are you talking about i don't know what that thing is <laughs> no you know you you read these things sometimes and you see okay let do this and you can eliminate stress i mean let's be realistic guys stress is one of those things that we all deal with mm-hmm. depending on where you are what phase of life you know and it's not necessarily a bad thing but we have to talk about it to first identify all right this is what stress is and am i dealing with it in a good way to, for us to be able to, to potentially be in a good place with it, right? How do you know if it's good versus bad? Well, you know, you think about the stress. You, you mentioned earlier that you got married last year. Mm-hmm. That's a good stressor, right? All right. Some of it was good and some of it was not good. The planning got a little, you know. It gets it gets a little overwhelming yeah, at times. Yeah. But, you know, the end result you know, the, the, the stress kind of is what pushes you to, all right, I need to, to go do the things. Do I need to get my dress? Do I need to do the catering planning? You know, stress can mm-hmm. be a good thing, but it is something that ultimately it gets us off the couch, right? It makes us do things. But like you mentioned, uh, it can be bad because when it starts to affect your sleep and your eating, you know, those are the, probably the two biggest areas that people start to see stress is not necessarily a good thing when it starts affecting those things right Mm. like little candid ladies like how how do you know when you're stressed you know i think for me it's something that i acknowledge as a feeling 
and a, a mindset. It, it's how my brain is processing things, but also kind of how I physically feel. So is stress something that is just a feeling? Is it just in our minds or is it something that can manifest in different ways? It definitely can manifest. It starts in our brain because it's our brain thinking about, you know, what I need to do, what I don't need to be doing right now because I need to be doing the the hundred other things on my to-do list. Um, but eventually, if we're not dealing with it in adequate ways, that's when we start to see it manifest in in body functions. Mm-hmm. Um, like for, for you, do, do you recognize, is it your shoulders? Is it your back? Is it those tension headaches that you may be having? You know, everybody just like in in life and various things holds stress in different places. And, you know, ideally, you you nip those things in the bud. You start to deal with them before they progress and become, you know, I I use the analogy a lot with folks of a shaken up Coke can. You know, over (laughs) over time, we all have that potential to be a shaken up Coke can and go everywhere because stress can do that to us. So finding adequate ways that that each person can deal with their stressful things or tap the top of your Coke can, you know, is is what life is about, of finding those things. And it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that my breath gets in my chest when when I'm very stressed and I can't take a deep breath. And then you'll like see me yawning because I'm like trying to take a deep breath. And then <laughs> and I'll and also like deal with GI issues if I'm really stressed. And sometimes it feels like a balloon that if I get rid of it in one place, then it pops out in another place. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about. What is that about? It's definitely, you know, it's one of those things that you're, the, the stress will travel from one area to another. Our bodies interconnected. You know, even though we try to segment it out and be like, okay, this is just in my head. I'm just thinking about this. I'm just dealing with the, the issues. You know, that's when we, if we're not dealing with it in healthy ways, we see it radiate and push to different parts of our body. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you mentioned the GI issues, um, which is which is very normal that can cap- happen for folks. How how much of stress, if any of it, is related to like how our brains used to tell us to run from tigers? Or is that a thing? <laughs> I've heard this. Is that a myth? Is that like... Well, you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, none of us were there, but it's like, okay, we only had minimal things to be stressed about, you know, find the food, run away from the thing that's trying to make us the food, and, <laughs> uh, you know, less things to, to worry about. But now we have so many other things, you know, we're being pulled in 50 different directions. And so it makes it a little bit harder for people to deal with that stress because they may feel like, okay, I checked one thing off my to-do list. Well, there's still 50 other things I need to do. And so it's that constant flow of, of the pressure that you feel to get all the things done. And, and being realistic, most of the time our, our to-do lists are not things that you're going to be able to accomplish in a day. Maybe not even in a week, um, you know, depending on the, the level of things that you're trying to balance. And so um, it's setting those those expectations for ourselves of, of what is actually realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't do those things, if we're not realistic with, you know, what we can actually accomplish and setting those boundaries of this is what I need to do today. And, you know, I may have people coming at me from 50 other different directions because they need my help with this. But, you know, if you're if you're setting those boundaries for yourself of what what it is you can do and what you need to do, then it makes it a little bit easier for you to say, you know, Rebecca, I would love to help you with that, but I need to knock this out first can I help you with that tomorrow? 
then you're you're helping that person, but you're also being realistic on the things that you need to do for yourself. Mm. That's that's so encouraging to hear because I think sometimes, especially we live in this hustle culture and in a city like Memphis that's known for the grit and the grind, and we're <laughs> we're you know such a community that's focused on meeting goals and being uh, you know accomplishing things and uh, being productive, but understanding that not every uh, emergent need is an urgent need. Um, so are there ways that in our work day we can do that? I think that's a great tip for you to say yes, but not right now. Are there other ways mm-hmm. that we can help, you know, continue being goal getters, but also manage our stress? Absolutely. And I think no, no is one of those things that for a lot of people, it's a dirty word. It's hard to say no. And it's a complete sentence. I'm a recovering people pleaser. So (laughs) I identify. (laughs) Well, and especially I I think probably a lot of your audience, they're those go getters. And so they're used to putting in the hours, doing all the extra things because that's got them to where they are and it helps them be successful. But at the end of the day, it's not always being able to, to say no is is in your best interest because if you don't then you're going to be up late hours you're not going to get sleep and and it's not sustainable mm-hmm. i mean the, there's only so long that you can go without getting sleep of putting in extra extra hours for all those things and so you know like i said if you're a list person you've got to look at, at some of those things that you're trying to knock off and say what's actually realistic for me to get done today but also the piece that a lot of people miss is going back and looking at the list and seeing what you crossed off. Is that something? Do either of y'all do that? No. We have to celebrate our wins. I know, we it's, do. It's their wins. Because even if it's those small things that you've added to the list that you've already done, it's still a victory. Absolutely. And and that's the thing for a lot of people, you miss out. We start adding more things to that list of all the, what we need to do that evening or tomorrow. And we don't have that, that period of looking back and reflecting and saying, yeah, here are the things I got to do tomorrow. I'm going to add more to it, but what did I knock out today? Mm. You know, that's one of those really helpful tools with helping with people that are struggling with becoming burnout because the list is always going to grow. But if you don't celebrate what you've knocked off, you're you're se- you're setting yourself short. Can you you, you used a buzzword there? Um, <laughs> can you talk about burnout and how do you define burnout? And how do you know if you're approaching it yourself or how do you know if a, a teammate or an employee is, is approaching it? Warning signs. What Can you just talk a little bit about it? Well, definitely. I mean, our, our organization, we take care of a, a broad range of folks, but especially seeing a lot of nurses and teachers and, and folks in the caregiving profession. We know COVID has, has become a really difficult thing that made a lot of people have to reassess what they're doing. And a lot of times it's because they they're trying to take care of everybody else and not take care of themselves. And and that is that that dangerous territory that people find themselves in, you know, that that pushes them into the area of burnout because when you are giving more than you're giving yourself um, you know, you, there's only so much everybody knows the the idea of like pouring from a cup that's empty. You know, but but those folks in the caregiving profession continue to do it even though they they know they shouldn't. But as, as people continue to pour and pour and pour and there's nothing left in it, then then that's when we see the individuals. It's it's like a it's like a vehicle with your, uh, you know, your wheels stuck in the mud. You're sitting there literally spinning and not getting anywhere. 
Um, but folks that are struggling with burnout, you know, that the compassion that was once there that maybe made them become, you know, they may be the the A star nurse that is up on the wall and everybody's recognizing, um, but they're in a place now that they're just like, I don't care. I'll get my notes done, you know, a couple of days, you know, hey, oh, the buzzer's going off. I, you know, I'll get there eventually. You know, they're just the, their best foot forward is not there. Um, and then also that ability to be compassionate. Um, and you think about it, if they're not compassionate for other people, how in the world are they able to do that for themselves? Because a lot of times they were already struggling with taking care of number one. So what are, what are some of the symptoms you mentioned? Um, not feeling fully invested in what you're doing and lacking compassion. Are there other like physical symptoms of burnout or other warning signs? And, yeah, and are there, um, there warning signs that you know supervisors should be looking out for for their teams? Because mm-hmm. I think I've experienced it, but I didn't know I was experiencing it until it, I was like in the thick of it, like it was happening. Not here, not in New Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody has that potential. It doesn't matter what what job or, you know, whatever level that you're in, anybody can experience that. And so I think things for supervisors to be aware of, if it is someone that is normally, you know, they're they're maybe just a solid performer. You know, they may not be the the top of the class, but they get their stuff done and you don't really have to worry about them. When you start seeing them fall off the apple cart of okay not getting those things done not hitting deadlines like they typically do that's probably somebody you know hopefully you're doing check-ins with them anyways but definitely an opportunity to say like hey you don't seem like yourself what's up you know use the opportunity that hopefully uh, managers and leaders have to sit down with that person and just check in and see where they are you know ask them what, what are you doing to take care of yourself and to also be able to self-disclose you know, hey, I was really stressed and this is what I've been doing. When when employees hear what you're personally doing, sometimes they're a little bit more apt to be open about those things. And so make that just a part of your conversation of, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm really stressed too. I know we're super busy and X, Y, Z, but that manager being open about it can sometimes open up the conversation when you notice that an employee is, is not themselves. I think that's a positive shift that I've seen in the workforce is companies that are starting to normalize discussions around stress. I think the workplace is often a cause of stress. So, (laughs) you know, what does that interplay look like, Um, especially as you mentioned, post-pandemic, as people are facing more burnout? Are you seeing companies approach stress differently with their teams? Are they talking about it? Are they helping provide resources for them? Definitely. Um, some of the, the newer companies that, that we've partnered with or um, companies that Concern has partnered with for you know over 30 years are looking at it and saying, what else can we do? You know, they're looking for resources and making sure that their their employees have access to uh, counseling, you know, to have mental health days, um, a lot of those things. So it's really, you know, obviously COVID has been crazy in so many ways, but definitely it's been good in the mental health world as far as making sure companies are doing things for their employees and, and making it a, a normal co- part of conversation. It's what? still taboo in a lot of ways, but <laughs> it's it's getting better. What exactly is a mental health day and how do you have any advice for how to ensure that you are making the most out of that day? Well, it's going to be different for everybody because some people just need to just sit in the dark, <laughs> close the blinds and just do nothing. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, let's not let's not start with the anxiety a lot of people get with with moving away from their phones and not feeling, uh, you know, how like they have to answer or they have to do those things. But for some people, that's that that's what they need. Others, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna get a massage. I'm gonna do some of the things that I normally say. I'm gonna do this for myself. Um, but for each person, it's I always tell them. Think about when you were at your happiest, maybe not your your happiest vacation, because maybe you can't jump on a plane and go there. Maybe we take a little a staycation and, and you revisit those places by looking at pictures. Mm-hmm. But if you think about your favorite place or the happiest that you've been, um, you know, can you recreate that in, in this day? You know, what were you doing? Were you just taking a bubble bath? Light some candles, take a bubble bath and just chill out and, and put your phone on silent. You know, put your out of office on. Some people, it, it it's going to be different for everybody, but it's looking at, hey, what when when was I the happiest, and can I recreate something like that for myself? And it it's going to be different today than it was maybe ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, just like with the the amount, what stresses us out, and how that's going to change. What makes us happy changes too. So it has to be relative to where you are in life and, and thinking about those things. I think that's really important to think through that a mental health day can look different for everyone because all of our baselines are different. Um, I'm someone who's very introverted, so I need to rest and recoup after I've had a day full of meetings. And so if I have a week full of meetings and exciting conversations, I'm very present in those conversations. And just like today, it's great to be able to talk, but I'm probably going to go in my office after this and just, you know, sit quietly for a few minutes. And so even if a mental health day is just you disconnecting, that's still investing in your long-term mental health, right? It's a, it's that recharge that you need. Sometimes it's plugging in, sometimes it's unplugging. You know, because because also, too, um, as you mentioned, for you, it's being an introvert for other people. You know, it that mental health day is I need to catch up. There's there's so many people that I need yes. to call or maybe I just need to swing by and say, hey, I love you. I was thinking about you. I just want to come hug your neck and, and getting that that interaction that for so many people we missed. Yeah. And um, sometimes when we were in lockdown. Yeah. And sometimes I need that, too. But I think taking away the pressure of it being this you know, very special day that has to look a certain way because Mm -hmm. what you're going to need, Jamie, is different than what Melissa's going to need and it's different than what I'm going to need. So just finding that space for yourself to not put pressure on the day, but just have a day. Oh, and by, you know, you mentioned not putting pressure on the day. How how can we take pressure off of ourselves not to feel guilty about those days? Like, because often my, my stress is compounded by guilt about doing what I need to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm like stressed about, but tomorrow I'm going to have double the email or, you know, like all of all of that additional stress. And then I'm spiraling and I'm just using this as an example. I'm okay, everyone. I'm really okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, how how could we, I don't know, any thoughts about how to reframe some of that or... And that's you. You mentioned a great word, reframing what it is that you're doing, because when you when you set that si- that time aside, you know you're. So for some people, you need to actually schedule it on your calendar to, so that it's blocked out and nothing else gets put in there. But we also have to look at it as you know this this is self care, and self care is not selfish. I have to do this for myself so that I can be that best individual that I am, best professional. Um, spouse or, you know, any of the number of hats people are wearing, you have to think, if I don't do this, what's going to happen? And not letting yourself go down that rabbit hole for too long, but being realistic of, hey, 
this is this is something I have to do because, you know, maybe you've seen yourself go down that path of when I don't do this, this is what happens. But, you know, hopefully people don't get to that point. But, you know, all right, if I don't recharge, I may have a little bit less uh, patience for the BS that I'm dealing with. <laughs> you know, I may have a little bit less presenteeism when I'm in a meeting that, okay, I'm here in body, but I'm not really here, mm-hmm. you know, in all of those things. And so you have to think about, as you said, reframing your, your thoughts and saying, okay, I'm doing this because nobody else is going to do it for you. You know, and that's that's the problem is that sometimes we think, all right, well, you know, maybe maybe work will realize that that this is important or maybe this next holiday I can I can do this. But, you know, what what typically ends up happening? There's 50 zillion things to do on those days. And especially if it's a holiday um, that you get off. OK, we got Good Friday coming up. All right. Do you have 50 zillion things to get done before the family comes to your house? And then that's going to stress you out. And then you're not going to you're not going to plan to do those things because a lot of times we put that on the back burner. Let me do that after I finish, you know, sweeping and mopping and dusting and, and all those things. So, you know, as you're making that time reframing and saying, this is my time, this is something I have to do. And I'm pouring into myself because I know I'm going to be that much better of a person if I do this. So is it more impactful when you have the opportunity to be proactive about managing your stress to do that in anticipation of stressors that are coming up versus reacting to your stress? I mean, we're obviously always going to have stress Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with in the moment, but is that something that you recommend working into kind of our daily practice to plan for that potential stressor? Anytime we can be proactive rather than reactive, it's it's going to serve our health needs better. Because yes, both, both things are stressful. But again, depending on where your level of stress is and how many things you have built up, it can be really ugly. Um, you know, prior to, to my work at Concern, I was the director of the crisis center. And so I saw people just like all of us that they let that stress get to the point that it was really, really ugly. And it wasn't, and we're not talking about people, we saw our fair share of chronically mentally ill folks, but plenty of working professionals that know what they should do, and they just didn't take the time. And so, you know, I always use that as a reminder that just because you have that head knowledge doesn't mean it's heart knowledge. And so you want to take the opportunity to be proactive because that could be any one of us. You don't have to have a diagnosed mental illness to end up in a in a crisis that, you know, your body shuts down and says, "Okay, I've been telling you for a long time, you know, I need a rest. I need these things. That's why I'm giving you this pain in your head, Um, you know, but your your body eventually will say, no, not anymore. Don't like the way you're treating me shutting down and you have to take a day may not necessarily be a mental health day. You, you know, have to take a couple of sick days sometimes. Um, but any way that you can be preemptive is always better um, than when your body is forcing you to do these things. You you mentioned the pandemic earlier, and I find that post-pandemic, there's my threshold is different for stress. Like what brings me to the brink of, of being very stressed feels different than prior. I feel like there is a line in the sand, and I, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But are there, you know... Are there things you're observing about stress and mental health in your field that you've noticed post, or I don't know if we're still during, I, I, it's hard to tell, but post, post 2020. Post peak. Yeah, post peak. And um, yeah, are, are you are noticing? Are there trends there? 
I mean, we definitely are continuing to see people uh, abuse substances, alcohol being number one, you know, is a way for them to try to deal with their stressors. You know, it's always been a social thing of, hey, girl, let's meet up and go to happy hour. But during COVID, we noticed, okay, well, I can't meet you for happy hour after work, so I'll have my own happy hour at work. And, you know, those things just continue and build on one another. And, you know, anytime we see something socially acceptable, like smoking cigarettes or or alcohol, um, and those were commonality things that people did anyways, it built up because it was already something that was socially acceptable. Um, So we definitely continue to see people that are using substances as a way to deal with that stress. And a lot of times it's just masking it. Like, okay, it's still there in the morning after the bottle or maybe the box is gone and um, it it hasn't changed. Um, And so trying to, a a lot of the work that our therapists are doing is trying to help people, okay, let's maybe, let's take away some of these negative ways that you're, you're coping with stress because it's just masking it, you know, and creating other issues. Okay, well, now that you've drank all this, now we may have an issue with physical health things because your body's not in a good place or all this sugar or lung issues and and things like that. So definitely seeing a lot of trends because that's what a lot of people use during COVID to cope and they still are because maybe they're still working from home and, you know, five o'clock gets earlier and earlier. So it's uh, uh, definitely some of those trends that we're seeing. But also um, some of the issues with younger kids because they were in lockdown for a long time of, of seeing some of the, the social differences, their ability or inability to interact with folks. Um, you know, that, that's definitely a stressful thing for a lot of parents because, you know, they've been trying to, to work and parent and also be a teacher. And so the the stressful things of, of, okay, now my kid's back in school and maybe they're not where I need to be um, grade level wise. And so that's creating additional stress for me. And it's also my kids having issues socializing because they missed some of those those key times of being able to, to interact with other kids. So it's um, those are some of the biggest things that we're seeing um, that families are stressing, stressing with um, and just trying to find healthy ways to, to manage those. In that same vein, um, but hopefully on a more positive side, have you seen a change in people reaching out for help and support and resources? Absolutely. Um, definitely. That's been a, a positive vein of COVID that a lot of people, because access to care is different. You know, we've always had phone and telehealth as an option, um, but for a lot of people, that's a, a, their first entry point to being able to talk to a therapist. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I've had the conversation with scheduling an appointment for somebody and they're like, well, I wouldn't come into the office to talk to you, but I'll I'll do this telehealth thing. Mm. I mean, literally, our numbers are, are through the roof with, with new clients, but also with people actually holding study to coming to their sessions. Um, that follow through aspect is really, really great. So it's um, it's good to see that people are more open to saying, OK, I know that this is important. Let me do this. Let me do this for myself, and maybe I'll never come in person, but at least I will connect with a therapist. It's not my family or friends to be able to to get the the real advice and and help that I need to navigate whatever I have going on. That's tremendous to be able to remove a barrier to entry for something as important as therapy or counseling. Um, and I've seen more and more companies kind of bringing that into their HR culture and offering that. So is that something that concern 
offers. Um, I feel like I've seen your name on on some paperwork <laughs> to, uh, you know, make sure employees are getting access to this and removing additional barriers. Absolutely. So we continue to to do in person, but also phone and telehealth appointments. Um, you know, we've gradually started opening up more and more in person as people request it, but. Like I said, some people, I don't know if we can ever get them back in the office because mm-hmm. they, they do love the flexibility of having an appointment, um, you know, on in the, in the car before they go into their office or during a, a long lunch break or before they leave. Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, a great thing that, as you said, companies are making it more accessible for employees to be able to, hey, we have that room, um, you know, over there nobody uses. Go have your appointment in there. And um, some are setting up at like a actual computer for for some companies that um, you know maybe the employees don't have computers they don't work from a computer or they don't have smartphones they're setting up an area that employees can literally just use that computer um, for resources but also to have appointments in a confidential space oh, that's awesome that's incredible yes. I hope that's soundproof though because <laughs> they need to talk about their work <laughs> yes yes um, you know and for some of them uh, I forget which which company it was the other day but they it's an area it's a prayer room and and so they were like, that would be perfect. We'll, we'll turn that into um, a, an organization, a, a spot that people can be able to use to have their appointments. So um, they are, you know, they they're very therapeutic feeling and also um, confidential. So it's it's been amazing to see some of those transformations. That's pretty special. And you, you mentioned confidential a few times. Do, if your employer offers concern as a resource, do they know if you're using it? Do they know if you have appointments or is that private and you get to use the resource behind the scenes? So I want to keep my job. So they are only getting numbers. Um, I know some of our first responders, they are the most um, paranoid folks that we deal with, but it is not a list of names of here's everybody that came to see us. Um, Literally, it's only numbers. And so folks can be rest assured that they would they would only know that you came and had an appointment if you tell somebody. And y'all know we're in the Bible Belt. So as I always tell clients or when we're in a training or, or talking about it, you know, if it's a good experience, which we hope it is, and you're getting what you need um, from that therapist, you know, you can be the best resource to help one of your colleagues or, you know, somebody in your household by saying, hey, I talked to that. I took that social worker lady up on this and uh, made an appointment, and I'm I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, because that word of mouth is sometimes that you know if we can get to the point that an organization and a workforce is that open about talking about so and so is my therapist, who's yours, that we can be such a healthier society. I if, feel like if people are open. That's coming more. It's definitely happening more, I'm noticing, and as people are becoming advocates for therapy as they're using it, and they just want to, like, spread the word, spread the love, you know, and, um, yeah, I think empowering more people to do that will just encourage other people to feel like it's not taboo. Well, if we can do it with church, if you got good news, you want to share it with somebody, you know, it can be in the same vein of... You know, working with a therapist in in the same way. If you had a if you had a, a tooth that needed to be pulled, you'd go to a dentist, right? Yeah. Well, if you have something stress, mental health, you know, situational going on, being able to go to the therapist and not, you know, somebody completely out of scope is is what therapy is all about. It's an a really neat opportunity to share a burden. Um, and being able to, you know, get that off your shoulders. But 
understanding that in some communities it is more taboo to go to counseling and that you can do that with some sense of anonymity, mm-hmm. but that we do have the opportunity um, in more and more workplaces and um, as we're socializing that it is becoming normalized. So I think, you know, that's a really encouraging conversation to be having that the resources are there in whatever way that you need them and are willing to access them. Absolutely. And people are, we're, we're getting there. And fortunately, you know, as we've seen um, more and more people reach out and, and word of mouth happens, we, we get to hear that. And so it definitely is encouraging to see you know, when you're at a health fair and you're talking to the person, they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is my therapist. And you get to hear those things from, you know, different individuals. It's it's definitely reassuring that we're headed in the right direction. We've got a long way to go, but we're, we're getting there. There's yeah. progress. Yeah, it's <laughs> exciting. So you mentioned some of the um, unhealthy coping, coping mechanisms, such as, you know, eating certain junk foods, using substances, you know, cer- certain coping mechanisms that people developed and may have intensified during the pandemic. What are some of the healthy coping mechanisms and how, how can we interrupt the cycle of that? And, and you know, where where does concern come in and offer some resources for folks? That is like three questions in one. <laughs> um, but... So I always tell people, you know, any of these problems that you're dealing with, they may start out as molehills and you may be looking at them in their mountains at this point. You know, you may be at that point. You're like, I cannot tackle this beast right now. There's way too much going on. Let me just keep doing what I'm doing. So whether it's the the drinking or the, you know, you mentioned the eating, um, all of those things. I mean, everybody's been coping in their own way. So it's going to take time. I think being honest with yourself and realistic, again, like we mentioned with the goal setting and, and doing uh, things to help with stress, we've got to be realistic. You didn't get here overnight. And and just tell yourself, okay, I realize the uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a, a saying that the first step to quitting is admitting. And so for any problem, whatever it may be, I think people have to realize that they have to take that good look in the mirror and find where they need to make that change. Um, because if you're not first admitting, hey, I have not been doing this in the, the healthiest of ways, then you can't you can't start to work on a problem that you haven't first identified. And so whatever it is, it's just saying, okay. And that may be the the phase that you're in for a week or wherever it is until you until you say, okay, now I'm going to do something about this. Um, and so I know a lot of people, we are in Memphis, so we got some humidity coming. But at least now in the <laughs> springtime, you know, you can say, all right, let me just get out. Maybe I'm going to walk for 10 minutes. But being outside, just getting some fresh air doing something like that prior to pouring yourself a cocktail when you first get home. You know, it can spur your interest in, man, I I used to do this a lot. I miss this. Or so-and-so at work was just talking about, you know, getting out and enjoying some fresh air. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you're, you're training for a triathlon, um, but it's just being able to get outside and being able to, to feel the, the wind in your hair and just look around, look around at something different. Um, you know, it's there, there's all kinds of uh, power in what we refer to as green therapy. Just looking at the trees, you know, looking at the birds starting to build their nests and getting all excited and, um, you know, whatever that may be. So I'm not telling you somebody to get out and like run a million miles, but maybe start small, five, five, ten minutes, get outside and just enjoy that for a little bit. Um, you know, maybe if when whether it's it's consumption that may be your issue. 
you know, okay, maybe I'm just going to have a water right there next to whatever it is that I'm drinking or eating. And so that maybe I'll feel fuller if I'm, if I'm integrating some water into what I'm eating or drinking, um, you know, and also just thinking about, okay, why am I doing this? What, what exactly, what is this serving me um, when I'm eating this? And so just thinking twice about it, um, you know, there's a lot of practices with, within mindfulness and a lot of um, different helpful things out there when it comes to that. But just thinking simply, simply why am I grabbing this bag of chips? <laughs> okay, maybe I'll just put a couple in a, in a bowl and go sit on the couch and not take the whole bag with me. You know, and just doing some simple things to cut back on on some of those because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in everything within moderation. And so I'm not saying you've got to cut out the chips entirely, um, but it's it's having to, to say, okay, why am I doing this? And let me just maybe just micro micro dose these, these chippies that I like so much <laughs> so you're not completely cutting it out and your body's not screaming at you. Yeah. Can you you mentioned mindfulness for for folks listening who maybe aren't aware? I know it's a big topic, but could you can you give us like a, a a brief what what is that and how could one learn more? We could have a whole whole session. I know on that, that could be a whole. I know it could be a whole other thing. <laughs> it, it could be. Um, you know, there's a lot of great opportunities out there. Um, I know one of my my colleagues, Greg Graber, does. Uh, it's Every a couple of Saturdays um, each month over at the the Crosstown, he does lessons that art people can come in and learn more about it. Um, but it's basically you're just focusing. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And it makes you have to be more conscious of what it is that you're doing and seeing and just being more present in each and every moment. Um, you know, as we mentioned, the grit and grind and busyness of the city, um, you know, a lot of times we're focusing on the next thing that we have to get to instead of being present on the here and now. And so the idea of mindfulness gives us the opportunity to really sink our teeth into what am I doing right now and not jumping and, and fast forwarding or in the microwave culture, you know, trying to microwave ourselves to the next thing that we're looking forward to. Um, because we miss out on so many things if we're if we're not focused on the present and really identifying, you know, what are our triggers, good and bad, and why we're doing the things that we're doing. Mm. I've heard it described as before. I mean, all of what you're saying, the the self awareness, but also like separating the flame from the fuse, like adding <laughs> some breath into your life so that those reactions, those like fight or flight reactions of I'm being chased by a tiger. But really, you're just stuck in traffic. Like, how do we cope in those moments without getting overwhelmed with, with I, stress? I like, I like the separating the the flame from the fire. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, I, I can't claim that for myself. <laughs> I did not come up with that. <laughs> that's it. That that's a really great way to put it. But it's uh, yeah, we we are a lot more reactive a lot of times, and so it it helps us be present and try to focus on why why does that make me so upset. Is it really that big a deal? And a lot of times when we have that more intentional thought process, we're able to identify and really think about, okay, is this really that big of a problem or is it just my mind jumping to um, things? Because that's what we've created those pathways a lot of times. And so until we choose to consciously say, I'm going to do something different about this. 
you know, our mind's going to go to the the path of least resistance and what we what he, we have allowed it to do. So we ha- are being more conscious of saying, no, 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 this may be the road less traveled, but it's what's going to serve me best in the long run. And so I'm going to be more conscious about it to help myself, not just today, but in the days to come. These are such great tips. And <laughs> I'm so encouraged that we're able to have this discussion. Are there opportunities and programs that community members can get involved in to gain resources and skills to start managing their stress together and individually? Yes, um, there's there. Luckily, you know, we are a community that is a robust system of resources. You know, there's a lot of really great things out there. And so, um, you know, between some of the programs that uh, Concern offers through our entity, Baptist, um, you know, our parent company does a ton of things out there that they're trying to connect people to resources throughout the community, um, you know, as well as the the partners that we um, continue to partner with in order to, you know, bring resources to areas that are underserved. Um, and that people, we know transportation is obviously a big issue for a lot of people, um, the technology aspect of things. And so um, there's definitely, if someone is looking for resources there, their chances are there's most likely some there. It's just connecting with the, the right folks to be able to say, okay, let me, let me get help in XYZ area. And are those resources low cost, no cost? So, you know, what does that look like? Variety of things, you know. I think about our partners um, over at the Kimmins Wilson Center for Good Grief. They are mm-hmm. amazing. They're so amazing. They they do so much great work, and that's a free resource for for everybody in the community. Um, they actually are opening up their their new Dorothy Cottage today. Oh my gosh, how exciting! A, the beautiful facility. It is out in Carryville, but they have multiple locations to be able to serve folks that you know have been hit by grief, and that is a free thing for folks to be able to tap into. That is just an amazing thing that that people can be able to connect with. It's things like that. There's there's all kinds. That's a that's a tremendous resource. I think you know, it's especially in line with our conversation of the pandemic, we know that that has you know been the source of a lot of grief and uh, having resources like that to help you deal in the moment, but also understanding that grief doesn't always go away um, and how you can continue to manage that. Because I assume for a lot of people, grief may be an unexpected element in their stress. Is that is that accurate? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times we think about grief in, okay, if someone dies, but grief is actually one of those things that you can be grieving the loss of not being able to go to prom. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't physically lose somebody, but it's the it's the loss of an experience. Um, you know, for some people, it's the grief of being able to be around their coworkers each and every day because that was their social their their socialization. Um, and so, grief can be different for everybody depending on a situation. But as you mentioned, it changes over time. Um, you know, there's the there's the uh, idea that we have you know, a process, the stages of grief, but it's real, it's not a step one, step two, step three kind of thing. It's ever, it's ever growing and changing um, because it's one of those things we all end up having to live with depending on what we're grieving and, you know, how we are pushing ourselves or not through the process. It's, um, it's, it's that thing that is there that doesn't ever fully go away. Um, Cause you know, when you think about the loss of a loved one, all right, you get three days bereavement and, um, you know, that you, you get to maybe do some of the funeral things, see some family, 
you know, be able to have some some good stories and things. But really, that's just the beginning part of the process for somebody as they're dealing with that, because maybe grandpa loved Applebee's. And every time we pass Applebee's or we see them on the TV, it re-triggers that emotion or that thought about that person and, you know, various things. You know, maybe um, depending on that that grief, there's going to be different triggering things. And again, as we talked about going back to healthy ways of dealing with stress, it's first identifying, okay, I was just watching a football game and that commercial came on and I'm identifying, I realized that that was the connection. That is what made me upset is because that was grandpa's favorite place and we had to go there every Sunday after church or whatever it may be. And so in any situation, whether it be grief or loss or just self-improvement, we have to identify what are those things that is causing me to feel a certain way outside of my norm. Yeah. And I've noticed a lot of local organizations stepping up in the face of collective grief um, and collective like responses to trauma. I know Memphis has experienced recently a, a lot of things that have put us on national news that have been traumatic. And, um, you know, whether no matter how close you were to the situation, you, you can still be experiencing grief and stress from that. Um, and I feel like I've seen a lot of, a lot of local places stepping up and being like, well, we have this, we're going to offer this moment for you to come together and, and deal with that and be with that. Yes, um, Shelby County, the Coalition for Rape Crisis, um, they have stepped up tremendously in order to to provide some of those things. Because we have to think about, you know, as, a, as a city and as a culture, we have dealt with a trauma. I mean, somebody can literally be traumatized by me just telling you a story of something that happened. And so you've got to think about that that trauma can definitely happen, you know, not just by by watching something, by being present, but also just by hearing it. And so we have to realize that 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 has definitely been a huge trigger that can be a negative thing. It can be something that pulls us together and we're saying, okay, we've got to do better. We're going to do better and we're going to move in this direction collectively. Kind of like what we we saw, you know, whenever there's been something big that's happened. Yes, COVID has made people unified to say, all right, depression, anxiety, I've got this going on because COVID. You too, right? Uh, (laughs) Right. You know, it, it happened during 9-11 when everybody banded together over a terrible thing. Um, but anytime something big happens, we tend to think about it, but it can just be something small. You know, it literally can just be watching someone on the news that, okay, this person was attempted carjacking and they may look like you or they may have been driving a similar car. Um, you know, but trauma is a very powerful thing. And we have to realize that just by by recognizing, calling it what it is, that it can be extremely impactful. And so, um, you know, being responsive and supportive of folks that deal with traumatic things all the time, but also just more mindful of our conversations, because just if, if we're having conversations about these things that were probably traumatic for the people that were in it, and then that, that we have continuing that on, then we're just reliving those traumatic experiences. And, um, you know, a lot of re-traumatization has been happening as we continue. It may be in the, the best efforts of, hey, we're trying to do something about this. But if we're not getting to the point that we're saying, this is what we're going to do, or collectively, this is my part to play and step up and be able to help in XYZ area, then it can leave a lot of people just feeling very helpless. And, and just like, okay, where am I living? What am I doing? What is going on? 
and you just feel very, very trapped and, and helpless. And that's never a good feeling for anybody to have. And if someone is feeling trapped and health, helpless, what, what are some ways that they should raise a flag or reach out? Are there places that they should go to for more immediate attention and, and support? Well, I have to first say, you know, the 988 number, if everybody is not already aware, um, you know, the the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline came out with the 988 number, that if somebody gets to that point, you know, it's a really easy way. It's not a 1-800 number anymore um, for them to be able to reach out and, and talk to somebody immediately. You know, that is a national resource um, that, that people can reach out and be able to talk to somebody if they're having just that trapped feeling of, hey, I just would be better if I would go to sleep and not wake up. And a lot of people have definitely felt that way with the stressors and, you know, just life in general, those things going on. Um, I'm grateful Baptist actually put in, um, you know, to help our Memphis Crisis Center. You know, if anybody is Googling, you know, anything about suicide, um, that they they automatically would, the, that number is, is at the top of Google to remind folks that there is resources out there. You know, that that's obviously the, the easiest one for somebody to be able to call. It's only a three-digit number, just like 911, um, but for them to be able to reach out in that way. Um, most folks, you know, on the back of their insurance card, it'll say behavioral health benefit. Um, and so they can just go to the back of their insurance card and call and say, listen, I want to connect with a counselor. And they can give you a menu of folks for you to be able to connect with. Um, you know, we also have community mental health providers that can help folks that if they don't have insurance or they have, um, you know, they have 10 care, they can be able to talk to somebody, get access to medication. So there's plenty of places for folks to be able to get connected to so that they don't feel helpless. What a powerful network yeah, to, yeah, to be a part great. of. It's pretty cool. Nobody's alone. Yeah, that's important. I, I read a quote from from you that said we're not in this struggle alone and that resonated with me <laughs> I was like, that's, we forget that so often now you get to and especially during covid when everybody's kind of in their silos it felt like okay everybody is going through something and just remembering the fact that everybody is and that that's why it's even more important number one you got to be nice to yourself but as we're going through the grocery store or as we're just doing anything that we realize everyone is going through something maybe different but it doesn't make it any less important or hard and so we trying to to be able to be nice to one another and just check on folks and, and love on people even if you don't know them you just pass them in the, the grocery aisle. You just, you never know the benefit that that can have of just, hey, what's up? I like your purse. What, whatever it is, you know, you just, <laughs> it, yeah. you just be in a, a kind word and things, but you can't, it's hard to, to be that person or be able to help anybody else if you yourself are not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Melissa, we are so grateful for the work that you do and your team at Concern. Um, and this has been such a, an enlightening conversation. And I think our workforce is going to be stronger knowing that there are resources available. And we as a community will be stronger knowing that there are individual uh, opportunities to get support. Um, is there anything that you've got coming up that you'd like to share? Well, I mentioned our awesome, our friends over at the Cummins Wilson Center for Good Grief. Their, their new cottage is opening today. Um, they have that event um, as they're rolling out those services and just continuing to 
to be able to support folks in their grief. Um, they have their Art of Caring event, which is always amazing. They have such beautiful artwork and folks, and that's part of what propels people to be able to, um, you know, that for them to be able to continue some of their services. So um, definitely want to give them a shout out for the awesome work that they do. Um, you know, our team continues to uh, just want to support our community. You know, we have companies, a lot of them are here locally, but across nationally too. So, you know, if an organization doesn't have an EAP or they're not happy with it, you know, we would be glad to support them. I mean, it's you're only as strong as your weakest link. And so being able to address and help all the individuals within the organization, but also their households, you know, that's something that we, we pride ourselves on being able to help folks and their entire household. So it's not if you're on my insurance it's just, hey, if you live under my roof, you can go talk to these concerned people because um, we know that a lot of times our workforces, it's the people that live with them, not necessarily them that are struggling. And so just continuing to say, hey, it's okay to get help and here are some resources for you. And as we all begin to make the mental health thing more normalized, I think we're going to be such a stronger city and society as we as we continue to to do that so i just appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about mental health and hope this conversation just keeps going yeah yeah absolutely let's keep it going yeah um quick uh quick personal question here um do you have a favorite way to <laughs> you looked so scared it's not me. that personal do you have a favorite spot uh in memphis or activity in memphis to do to de-stress Yes. So See, it wasn't I, that scary. It no, wasn't that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't. Did I do the deer and headlights thing? It, uh, no. Uh, I I love being down by the river, whether it's high, whether it's low. Um, you know, I think just being able to to look out there and watch the barges go by, um, you know, and for me it's a constant reminder of the change that happens because sometimes it is high, sometimes it is low, but ever dynamic and changing. Wherever it is, it's a it's a beautiful place, and so I think that that just being down, you know, right at the at the at the park there, I, I love that's my spot. Love that. That's that's my go to. I get some stretches in. You know, usually there's lots of people that are out and about, and it does recharge and remind me that you know we're an active and and just diverse city. There's so many different people out there with their dogs and, and all kinds of stuff. But it's, you know, we have a, a commonality of being able to to just be out and enjoy the beautiful place that we live in. And so as it changes and grows, good and bad, you know, I just hope that we can continue to focus on the good. Bad is going to happen, but there really is a lot more good than there is bad. So focus on those things doesn't mean the bad, you know, are not there. But I think being able to band together on those good things can give us the commonality that we need. And, you know, we can always focus on what needs to change. But there's also a lot of good things that we can we can focus on rather than the negative. Yeah. Having gratitude. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of gratitude, thank you for yes, being here. Thank you. <laughs> this All was right. delightful. This great. All right, ladies. Thank you so much. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. I don't know about you, Jamie, but I feel so much better knowing that our community has so many resources available, not only for individuals, which is incredibly needed, but also for companies to to come together mm -hmm. and be able to support their employees and support each other. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think one of the the neatest things that I think is uh, available that Melissa told us about off air was uh, it's this great partnership with uh, our friends at Baptist Memorial Healthcare. They have partnered up with Concern because Concern plus best health equals best you. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. So they are really working to provide resources to support companies and communities uh, remotely and in ways that we really haven't had a, a chance to get that kind of support ongoing. So they have webinars that are available online. Uh, and you can find information about that on their website. Um, and I think she was also telling us about a, another innovation that is available through their website that you learned a little bit more about. Yeah, yeah. This is a tech innovation that is um, available to anyone. So if you check out the website, baptistresources.com. So make sure you have the S on the resources there. Um, if you check it out, so you, what you do is you can put in your zip code and press enter and then there's all these different resources that you can check out so there's food housing goods transit health money i'm literally reading them all (laughs) education work legal like any resource community resource that you can think of is listed there you click on it and it'll show you all these programs and it will show you it on a map so you can see how close it is to you this is an awesome resource and if you they're trying to expand too. So if you notice that a program that you are an organization you work with or that you know about isn't on this list at the very bottom of the site, you can click on suggest program and help them build this out to include all the resources that we have in Memphis. Um, so this is an awesome idea and, and a very cool tech innovation. And speaking, speaking. of <laughs> Tech Innovations. We actually have a really exciting event coming up on Thursday. You want to join us for lunch? Yeah. Do you, are you guys hungry? Um, we got uh, <laughs> we got good lunch. It's provided by another roadside attraction catering. But so this event is um, called is part of our Celebrate What's Right series. It is called Risky Business. Um, thanks to Rebecca for coming up with that catchy name. So uh, we're going to delve into risky business into tech entrepreneurship and just the overall state of entrepreneurship here in Memphis. It's going to be really energizing, really exciting um, conversation. It's going to be at Botanic Gardens at Hardin Hall from 12 to 1.30. Join us. Um, if you have not reserved a seat yet, um, check out the event. Check out our website, newmemphis.org slash events. And that's where you can learn more about this risky business. But we hope to see you there. It's going to be a really, really great conversation. I'm excited. We're going to have some great moderation from Jessica Tavo from Epicenter. And our panelists are from some really exciting organizations, including Ridgeline, MedHall, Alchemist, and Dextrous Robotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am eager to dig into that conversation with them. And I'm especially grateful to our sponsors, First Horizon Foundation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, and Duncan Williams Asset Management for making this possible. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. So make sure you turn up on Thursday. We'll see you there. Bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.